0: Zach and Chris chat conspiracies about our favorite childhood memory. Could be a book or a movie or a show or a poem. But wait, now that I look at it through the lens of an adult, uh, that did seem kind of f***ed up. Who cares? It's morally speaking. (laughs) Hey there. Hi there. It's none other than me, Zach Martina. And my buddy, Chris Schlichting, with yet another installment of Immorally Speaking. Chris, how in the hell are you doing, my friend? I am doing really well. I'm not going
1: to lie to you, Zach. I'm a little tired, and that could be due to our topic today, doing the research. And it just makes me a little sleepy. Um, but we're going to get into that soon. But before before we do that, I want to tell everybody where they can find me, and then you can tell them when they can find you. You can find me at Schlick Comedy, S-C-H-L-I-C-K comedy.com it's my handle for twitter instagram
0: youtube all that good stuff uh check out videos zach where the, where can they find you buddy they can find me at zach martina just my name z-a-c-h-m-a-r-t-i-n-a all the instant uh social instant updates on social media and uh YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, those are the ones I'm most active on. And I've also got those two albums out there, Skunkman and Not the Worst Dad. Would love for you to check those out. Uh, Still do not have any confirmed stand-up dates because we don't know when this is ending, but it seems like it's relaxing. So hopefully we're going to be getting out there live again soon. But in the meantime, if you are enjoying this podcast, I beg of you, and I don't think it's too much to say that Chris begs of you, Rate, review, subscribe. Let's keep doing this thing. Let's keep seeing that people are enjoying it. We've got an email address, immorallyspeaking at gmail.com. Send us some feedback. Send us some suggestions. I mean, truth be told, we need the ideas.
1: Yeah, uh, bottom line, we're going to do this with or without you. You might as well jump on board and have some fun with us because me and Zach are uh, hilarious. We're intelligent. We're having a good time. So jump on this
0: fun, fun, fun bandwagon. And... Uh, As you can tell by Chris's proclamation of hilarious and intelligent. Also (laughs) modest. Also very, very modest. Uh, Chris, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. You got sleepy doing the research on this one. Uh, I do not see how anyone listening can fall asleep during it, because while we are talking about a lullaby, at the core of it is flat-out negligence. Um, Today, we're taking a look at Rockabye Baby, another one of Mother Goose's nursery rhymes. It is our first lullaby, and when you actually pay attention to it, it reads like a police report, okay? (laughs) You've heard it. Everyone out there has heard it, but I want to just refresh everyone's memory as to what is going on in this particular quatrain. Uh, Let's listen to it one more time, and it's... Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come, baby, cradle and all. what? (laughs) what? Yeah. It's jacked up, man. To say the least. The the rhythm of the song is very, very beautiful, but also a little haunting, which is kind of what you want in any nursery rhyme. But when you go on and you listen to the words, you're like, oh, this is an admission of guilt. This is someone saying that they snapped as a parent and couldn't take it anymore. When I see a rocking chair in the corner of a room, just rocking back and forth, back and <laughs> forth with no one on it, That is the soundtrack that plays in my head. Rock My Baby. It is absolutely terrifying. And we're both parents, buddy. How does it make you feel? Well, if anything, we can learn the importance
1: of lyrics. Because like you said, the rhythm is kind of slow and it does create um, a relaxation. But when you listen to the lyrics, I would argue that this song causes post-traumatic stress. Not at the moment, but once you figure out what words mean, you're like, Oh my God, what was my mom or dad singing to me? Um,
0: yeah, it sounds like, uh, they didn't want you basically. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if this, you know what this song screams, this song screams repressed memories and not for the child because the child's obviously dead, (laughs) but for the parent.
1: Yeah. Um, it's not good parenting and I'm not gonna lie, Zach, when I had my kids, I wasn't quite ready to be a parent. I didn't really know what I was doing. Who does? Who does? Exactly. I can tell you for one thing, everything in this song, I didn't do,
0: though. Like, I knew better
1: than uh, what the lyrics of this song said. I, I was I was a good enough parent for, to realize that.
0: Well, I remember the first time that I ever, like, sang this as a parent because it was sang to us as children. So naturally, you're like, oh, this is an old classic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing it to my kids. I remember the first time I was holding my oldest daughter, mm. and uh, she was a little fussy. So I was kind of, you know, rocking her in my arms, and I sang it to her. And I remember that I was. It was the first time that I actually paid attention to the words. I remember looking into her eyes, knowing in that moment that I had experienced. True love, and then I realized, oh my God, I just told the thing that I love more than anything in this world (laughs) that I was going to kill it. Like, I immediately stopped singing, I switched to Hush Little Baby, and I had to stop singing that one too because I, for one, don't know what a mockingbird is, Mm -hmm. and two, I sure as hell couldn't afford a diamond ring. But I guarantee you, after you sang that song to your baby, uh, she stopped fussing
1: because you were scaring the shit out of her because you looked right in her eyes, and were like, if you don't stop
0: fussing, I'm gonna put your ass in a tree. It's a, kind of like a warning, right? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think they like. I think what we talked about earlier is like they like the the rhythm of it. It's very a soothing rhythm. But um, I mean, let's be honest. That only works until they learn the English <laughs> language, right? Yeah. Because. You sing that to your kids, and the rhythm does knock them right out. It is very relaxing, very soothing. rock baby, on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. It works until your child does learn the English language, and then they never sleep again because the person who was put on this earth to protect them has threatened their life. Mm-hmm. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. That is exactly what this thing yeah, says. It's very haunting. Uh, my, my
1: mom had sort of a remix. She wouldn't do this one. She would do... Uh, she kind of do her own lyrics. It was uh, "Bye, oh, bye, baby, pumpkin boy," and she would just keep repeating that as she was patting me on the back. It was very nice. It was very f- soothing. Also, I was a big baby, you know, like at the age of three, I was close to a hundred. So maybe I did resemble some sort of pumpkin boy, pumpkin, pumpkin boy. boy, or you could be pumpkin girl
0: or pumpkin pumpkin boy. But that's. Well, I mean, those are those are more difficult yeah. to to rhyme. Boy is very <laughs> but easy But I didn't to call rhyme. her
1: out as a young age, like, "Hey, mom, let's add some more lyrics to that." I always thought that was really relaxing, and that's the lullaby that we have passed down. I would do it with my kids and stuff.
0: I wanna I wanna get into more. How long were you called Pumpkin Boy?
1: <laughs> uh, actually, to this day, my mom will still refer to me as Pumpkin Boy, which is why I'm gonna put her in a home asap, as soon as she forgets one thing. She's gone. <laughs> hey, you know what?
0: This, uh, this explains a lot about how you do your comedy. Because when I see you up on stage, I'm like, this guy's out of his gourd. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank well you. Well done, Zach, Thank you. you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh-huh. So is that, how uh, is that how your parents got you to go to sleep? Like, was there a special yep. trick it- to getting you to go to sleep?
1: And you know what? I was not a difficult person to go to sleep. However, I did sleep in the room with the attic door, which was always very uncomfortable. Just Um, hanging over your crib? No, the attic was always in the room. And as I got older, the wind would blow out a certain way and the attic would kind of, the door would kind of pop. It wouldn't unlatch, but it would kind of like as if something was trying to get in. So that was always difficult. But for the most part,
0: I slept like a, dare I say, baby. Interesting that you never ever considered that you slept in this room with the attic door and the wind would blow and the door Ooh. would rattle and you saw that the real villain was the wind. <laughs> no wonder your mom changed the lyrics. Yeah, for sure. She maybe thought that hit too close to <laughs> they home. <laughs> <laughs> they brought you home and she, she says to your dad, she goes, well, we can't sing them. I don't know why your mom is a, a, a Brooklyn Island 73 uh, year old with emphysema. Yeah. Heavy, heavy smoker, heavy smoker Zach. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, Mister Schlichting, I don't think we can put him. We gotta put him. We we can't sing "Rockabye Baby." We're gonna put him in the room. There's a draft. There's a lot of wind. He's never gonna go to sleep. Let's change the words. I'm gonna call him. Pumpkin boy. I like how my dad demands to
1: be called Mr. Schlichting, too. (laughs)
0: Like, honey. Well, (laughs) he's an old-fashioned guy. He's an old-fashioned guy that grew up. You refer to me as Mr. Schlichting. (laughs) The the picture I've just created is your parents uh, wore a suit and pearls to dinner just in the house. (laughs) Your dad wore a double Windsor knot every time he got on a plane.
1: Yeah, we were one movie theater trip away from my parents being murdered in an alley and me becoming pumpkin boy. <laughs> Fight and cry.
0: Instead of Batman, just I, a pumpkin boy. It's like, what are you what is your power? It's like, well I, I can throw <laughs> seeds and I can make very, very scary faces that become backlit. Like you're just yeah. a jack-o'-lantern at your
1: worst. <laughs> And if you caught me, if the bad guys were at the bottom of a hill, if you caught me at an incline, I would just
0: roll down the hill and just take everyone out. (laughs) If I had the high ground, you were screwed, Zach. (laughs) And I feel like that holds true today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, that was it for you. They just had to rock you to sleep and and call you pumpkin boy, and you were just sleeping, huh? But the secret was, she would match the pats on the back.
1: You know, I, I... like, to this day, when I get worked up, the pats on the back along with the rhythm. The pats on the back are crucial, Zach. Just let you know I'm here.
0: My, my method was uh, with my kids was always a couple pats on the back, a rub up and down, and then mm. a counterclockwise motion, and then repeat. Oh, for sure. Mixing it up with the rub. That is that
1: is classic. The pat, the rub, the counterclock. Yep, we're on the same page there.
0: Interesting, too, because like when you tell your baby, shh, shh, mm-hmm. shh you're mimicking wind. You're mimicking this thing that, like, you've told them in all of these nursery rhymes that you're going to kill them with. That's a great point, Zach. Is it a power struggle? Is it a power struggle from the moment a child exits the womb and enters this life? What's meant to be soothing, I think that constant
1: reminder of, hey, I have power over you, and you need to relax and get your act together, or else the wind, it's coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the wind. (laughs) (laughs) Just this – see, when I was a kid, um, lullabies didn't do – I remember, like, one of the – a couple things my parents always told me about when I was a baby. When I was born, um, my mom had to go through a C-section. Okay. um, Which, coincidentally enough, was always her favorite edition of the encyclopedias. And then uh, (laughs) – and then my dad wasn't in the room. My dad was a real – a schmoozer, a real hobnobber. So yeah, playing pool uh, in probably. The, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. And, uh, and in the waiting room, I guess he had set up an apartment. Like he moved the table to where he wanted it to be. He pushed a bunch of chairs together. So he had like a little cot and it was just facing the television. And then when, <laughs> uh, when he came in, I guess I was just being removed. And he said, I mean, until the day he died, he said, my head looked like a football. I looked like, Hey Arnold. And he'd never seen doctors do anything like this. He they just flipped my head like it was a pizza dough, mm-hmm. and it's the reason my head is the way it is today. They shaped me like a like a like a lump of clay. Okay, that is one thing. That's maybe the reason that I am the way I am. But when I was uh, growing from you know an infant into a toddler, I was very very fussy. They couldn't get me to sleep, and uh, they always told me that the only way they could get me to go down is if they put me in a car oh, yep. and took me for a ride, mm-hmm. I would just uh, ride in the car until I fell asleep. And then as soon as I fell asleep in the car, they would pick me up and take me inside, which is which is wild considering my parents were drinking a lot at that time. <laughs> uh, and I mean, if you think about it, I'm not mad about my parents drinking because I think we I, for me personally, I I'm not going to speak for you, but I think maybe you'll agree to it. Most functioning alcoholics probably started off as parents. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Because you're um, you're looking for any aid to get yourself to sleep. Beer will take you out. Beer will knock you right on your ass. And sleep and and let you sleep through a, a screaming baby.
1: If I can, like I I can jump
0: into when we ha-
1: when me and my wife also Emily, I have an Emily wife too. Me and Zach have Emily wives. Um, when we boom, we, boom. we had uh we had the daughter first, which was great. She was never an issue. But then we had twin boys, and that was uh, hell on earth. It was a constant blur of taking turns, uh, on, like on, during the night shift. You know what I mean? Like it was a constant blur, and I'm not gonna lie, alcohol was probably involved because I was scared. I was I couldn't sleep myself, so it was a constant struggle because these babies were constantly fussing
0: and i mean we grew up in a time where parents are like oh no you just give them a little thimble of whiskey you're talking about alcohol for the kids to just put them to Mm -hmm. sleep right oh yeah no 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 (laughs) no
1: no totally it was for me and that's why when people people ask me like oh what was it like to uh raise twins i'm like i have no idea i don't remember and uh because it was just a blur it was constant you know up all night Trying to get these kids to sleep, but yeah, I don't know. And also, people are always like, what's it like to have twins? Like, how do you do it? You just do it. You just keep them alive.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's no real magic. That's yeah. the uh, that's the real barometer of success for any parent out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what's the difference in age between your daughter and your twins? So my daughter's thirteen, and the boys just turned eleven. So okay, so she was she was sleeping through the night by then. She was great. Uh, are you? Is it safe to say that like? your daughter slept through the night. Your boys did not.
1: Yes. Um, there was a lot of issues when they were born, not to get into all the details, but they were born three months early. It was an emergency. They were in the hospital for three months. We were constantly going back and forth. One boy got released early. Um, the other one stayed there for an extra month and yeah, it was just a struggle. And then, so Zach, keep in mind, they were in the hospital for three months. And then when they give the babies to us, like, okay, they're good to go. We were like, no, we don't want them. <laughs> like, we're not ready. Like you literally have taken care of them for three months. Can you keep them for another month? I tried to slip her like a hundred. Like, can you just keep them in for another uh, incubation period? Because we weren't ready. They were so fragile.
0: <laughs> you, I like, the, I like the idea that you, you wanted to slip the nurse an extra hundred to keep them for another month, which equates to a $4 <laughs> a night hotel for your newborn son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, damn, man, that's uh, that's crazy. I can't imagine raising uh, two at the same time. I w- we were always pretty fortunate. My kids are twenty minutes, twenty months apart, and uh, I was just twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes. It was. <laughs> they're like, not. That's actually the cutoff. They're not twins anymore. They're ones older and <laughs> ones younger. Once there's a twenty minute differential mm-hmm. in birthing times, they're two different uh, children. So you just got the two girls. Two right? girls, nine and seven, and two they girls. always uh. They always went to bed real easy. They would sleep through the night, and, uh, I mean, if anything, I was always the problem. I'd wake them up to tell them I had a bad dream, you know? I'd wake them up to tell them I had a bad dream. Like I would wake up in a cold sweat and then I would go pick them up and tell them I had a nightmare that I was a bad father. And then I'd realize in waking up my infant daughter to say words she didn't understand, I was being a bad father. And that's the moment I decided to get into stand-up comedy because I realized dreams do come true. (laughs) But like your album, you're not the worst dad, so just relax, okay?
1: Not the worst, but <laughs>
0: certainly, uh, certainly not the best.
1: So, what was your method to get? You said your girls didn't really have any problems going to sleep. What was your method? Would you read them a story? Would you do
0: the rockabye baby? We'd uh, we'd read them stories just because they were into stories, but not necessarily to get the bed. I mean, I always say this, and I'm not I'm not bullshitting. My kids have always just been great. Like, hey, it's time for bed. Okay, it's time for bed. The biggest issue we have with my kids is trying to get them to eat their dinner. They will sit there Mm -hmm. for hours. I'm like, this is what you're eating. They're like, well, I don't want this. I'm like, okay, you can leave, but I'm going to put this in the fridge. And the next time you're hungry, this is what you're eating. You're eating this until you're done. So they'll sit there and they'll eat it. But as far as going to sleep goes, no, they uh, they were always real, real easy, real easy. Is there a is there a song for like not
1: eating your food? I like to think of you. If you don't eat your food, I'm gonna open this window and guess who's coming in? The
0: fucking wind. <laughs> like, is there is there
1: a song to get the kids? To uh, eat I don't know. I'm eating? sure we
0: could uh, we could certainly write one. There's no question eat about that. Eat your food. One time, my oldest wouldn't eat her food, and I was getting so impatient with her that I picked up her high chair with her in it Jesus. and the food on the tray, oh and I put her in her room. And then I shut the door, and I came back 20 minutes later. She did not take one bite, but as soon as I opened the door, she looked me dead in the eyes, picked up her food with her hand, and threw it on the floor. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, she is maybe almost two at this point. I can't win, and she's got the upper hand. We, we got a real threat right here. Um, I can't
1: wait. Well, I, I should say... I'll be watching from afar, but I can't wait till she's a teenager.
0: Zach, it sounds like she's establishing some. <laughs> this is the kid, though. This is the kid that when one of her when we first asked her what she wanted to do when she grew up, uh, she said, I want to be a judge because someone has to enforce the rules. Holy shit. I got my hands full. The other one, she just wanted, she's like, I want to take Krav Maga, like karate. So we got her into Krav Maga. And then she also wanted to get into gymnastics. I go, why do you want to do karate and gymnastics? And she goes, because that's what ninjas do. So they're very, very <laughs> different. <laughs> I love it. But I mean, we're back on this poem. It's rocking my baby on the treetop. When the moon blows, the cradle will rock. When the ball breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby, cradle and all. I'm a dad... You're a dad. We've illustrated this. We're no stranger to screaming babies, as we've already discussed, but never Mm -hmm. have I ever wanted to go this far far, right? If this poem illustrates being at your wits end, then I guess I've never been there because parents are too tired to look at a crying child and think, Oh, I got to do something. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to climb this tree because the best case scenario, the soothing sound of the wind is going to put them to sleep for a few hours. Worst case scenario, a strong wind blows and they sleep forever. Are you kidding me?
1: It's sort of like wiping your hands clean, you know, You have good intentions. I took my baby up to the top of the tree because the wind is very soothing. And when the bow breaks, which the only research I did, Zach, for this is I looked up the word bow and that's just the main branch of a tree. Is the trunk? Is the main branch the trunk? You would think it's the trunk, uh, but all it said was main branch of a tree. So that's the only research I did. But you think you got right intentions. I'm going to have my baby soothed up on the top by the wind. And when the bow breaks and the baby falls,
0: it's not my fault. It's a fucking bow. The bow did it. The tree. It's the tree. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, think about the physical exertion a parent would have to do to make this poem a reality, right? I've never, listen, I wouldn't, I I didn't have the energy to push my kids in a stroller, okay? (laughs) Sometimes they were screaming, and yeah, for a second, I considered shaking them, but I didn't because I was too exhausted. You think I'm going to climb a goddamn tree and set up a cradle up there? Like, that person's mentally insane. But the fact is, this poem serves as an admission of guilt. There's no insanity plea after reading this poem, because it's The documentation of the act makes it first-degree murder. It makes it premeditated. These four Mm -hmm. lines alone, the whole thing was meticulously thought out. This wasn't just, let's, oh, here's an idea. You're in a super
1: dark place if you're actually carrying out the lyrics of this song, poem. Uh, When you're climbing the bow, you have time to think, bow. See what I did there? I incorporated the word. (laughs) But when you're climbing the bow and you're thinking, I like to think you're thinking, man, this is not a good idea, this is not a good idea. But when you get all the way to the top, it is, like you said, premeditated, and
0: it's an omission of guilt. I totally agree Well, let's not uh, let's not forget, too, if you're being efficient about it, you're climbing the bow with a baby mm-hmm. in tow. So either the baby's in one arm, and you're scaling at least a four-story tree, or you've got it, like, hanging from you and climbing behind you. I mean... It's like Shawshank. Like yeah, a rope, you, put you want something to happen at this point. Never. All right. Here's the thing. Never once in my life. Like, how do I put this? Never once in my life did my wife, the mother of my children say, listen, this isn't working for me. Let's let mother nature. Give it a shot. But never. Mm-hmm. My wife always thought well, she, I would hope not. I'm not married to Casey Anthony. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. Right? Like that's, that's the only, yeah. that's the only type of person who would take this. Like, why is this? I, I just can't understand why it's such popular culture in the, in the nursery rhyme canon. Uh quick side note. I read someplace that Casey Anthony is
1: ready to have another baby. So if I'm that baby, I'm, gonna climb to the top of a tree and kill myself first because that's Yeah, if
0: she, I mean, the reason she wants another baby is because she's, uh, she hates not getting all the attention she got the first time around. (laughs) Uh, Also, real quick, Zach, something to think about (laughs) is... (laughs) <laughs> Trees are pretty uh, strong
1: and reliant. Sure. You know what I mean? So I think another addition to the premeditation is you picked a pretty shitty tree if the bow breaking. So that's even one. you knew what you were doing
0: when you put that baby on that
1: weak ass tree. Well, if
0: the bow is in fact the trunk, I don't understand how you can hang anything from the trunk because it is essentially vertical. In order to have something hang down, it would have to be a branch off of the mm-hmm. bow. Correct? Mm-hmm. Get a goddamn hammock. Okay. <laughs>
1: How much does that baby weigh? That is breaking the bowel? Like average baby is what eight, ten pounds. I was up to nineteen. I was a pumpkin boy. But nevertheless, <laughs> you're not gonna break a bow
0: just a stupid baby. <laughs> I think I was twelve pounds. And uh, shit, was that just yeah, your was, head? <laughs> that was just my. That was just the hair. <laughs> um, what's interesting though is I think you you mentioned it to me um, off mic. There was this legend that this was a ritual. This whole poem was about a ritual of back in the early 1700s, if a baby died, they would hang it from a tree, mm-hmm. hoping that in hanging it in this uh, bassinet from a tree, it would pop back to yep. life. And if it didn't, it would break because the baby was, in fact, dead weight.
1: That, I did read that, and that was the most alarming thing I found. That. Just, I just don't like to think about the hopelessness of losing a child and you think it's going to come back to life. And that's the symbol, the dead weight. When the, when the, when the branch breaks, that is no more. I mean, the baby is clearly dead. Eh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking about uh, dead babies and this is a dark, uh, this is definitely a dark episode, but no, it's not our fault. We're talking about a poem that came out in 1760 Mm -hmm. written by mother goose. Now not written by mother goose, but like in the mother goose can't You know, actually, it came out in 1760, Rockabye Baby, When the Tree Fall, like, Down Will Come Baby, Cradle and all. It wasn't until 2015, it was 250-some-odd years later, that someone changed the lyrics to have the baby not meet its doom. It was someone named uh, Candace Knight, and she decided to let the baby survive, and she changed the poem from its original lyrics to Rockabye Baby on the Treetop, When the Wind Blows, the Cradle Will Rock. Uh, When that wind blows, there's nothing to fear because mommy and daddy will always be here. Oh, you mean like a good parent? I mean, a good parent, but also Candace Knight, is. it's 2015. She's a little behind the curve because sometimes it's just mommies. Sometimes it's just daddies. What's her problem with homosexuality? I got an issue with Candace Knight. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe
1: we should do another updated version. But are you trying are you telling me Zach the original version? You said it was in the mother goose tone. It doesn't have an author, right? The author is unknown. The author so is, is this like a zodiac killer thing? Well, like, the author yeah. is unknown.
0: This is it this is very wild. The author is unknown until 1872. Uh, someone by the name of e. I. Canning, but her real name is Ellie Crockett, the cousin of Davy Crockett in 1872, claims she wrote the lyrics and got credit for writing it. This thing came out over... I mean, some people believe it came out 200 years before its first publishing in the 1500s, 1872. Ellie Crockett says she wrote it and gets credit for it. If you look at her IMDb page, and yes, Ellie Crockett has an IMDb (laughs) page. She has been given credit for writing this song over 175 times. What was her evidence? She just said she did it.
1: Did she, like, take people out to the woods and point to a tree? You see that broken branch? She said (laughs) that she
0: was nannying or something uh, and observed an Indian family, a Native American family, hanging their children from a homemade cradle and letting it rock back and forth from a tree branch. And that's where she got the inspiration to write these lyrics. Now, that was in 1872. This poem's first publishing was in the 1760s, and there is evidence to believe that it was out 200 years before that. So this thing has been out for 300 years. She takes credit for it and just
1: gets credit for that it. That could have something to do with the fact uh, she had a famous brother. What is that called when you like ride the coattails of someone famous? You know who my brother is? Nepotism. Nepotism.
0: Yes. It was her cousin. I want to be clear about that. It was her cousin. Oh, Well, still, if you're desperate enough, you can milk that. I'm I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure if she told everybody that Davy Crockett was actually her brother, they'd believe her because this this woman was just (laughs) a liar. Davy Crockett, that whole Crockett family, I, I would be curious to find out. I feel like they're all monsters. Well, they're definitely are to raccoons. That's all I can say. <laughs> I've I, I get that raccoons are monsters, and if well, you the coonskin hat.
1: Mean, Did she show up to the meeting with a? Does, does every David Crockett member wear a coonskin hat? There
0: were no pictures, so I can't <laughs> offer that. But I do understand the Crockett's hatred of raccoons. If you want to know why, go check out my first album, Skunk Man. I have a very detailed tale about how I had to kill twelve of them.
1: <laughs> now with a mo- gun,
0: I drowned them. Oh, my God. It had to be done
1: because I'm a good dad. (laughs) One thing I worry about, uh, not to jump too far ahead, or I, I, I worry about, see, I'm in the education field. And in today's day and age, Zach, a lot of young teenagers are having kids way too early and may not know how to parent. So I worry if they get a hold of this song, they may take it literally and think, you know, this is how you parent. I do worry about the high school kids. That are having, you know, the team moms that think, "Oh, this is my instruction
0: manual for how to take care sure. of my baby." I think, uh, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that any child that had their parents—and I mean, I'm guilty of this. My parents are guilty of this. Like, the the kids that had their parents sing to them "Rockabye Baby" are the ones that should just accept the fact that they need therapy because that's not any way to start a life. Okay, worrying for your life. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's a lot of uh, weird instructions in that. You know, another thing, too, living in the Midwest, driving, I see a lot of the uh, pro-life billboards, you know, with the giant baby on it, like, you know, a baby is a gift, all that stuff. And I'm not trying to get political, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever you think. But I do worry about a kid who's pregnant, a young teenager who's pregnant, drives by, sees the baby, sees the sign. I think just to be safe, underneath the baby, it should say, not actual size of the baby because you may be pro-life but you're not pro giant baby life and that could scare you because that's expensive
0: <laughs> i do worry that like, kids might take this literally Oh shit they're that big you're telling me i'm gonna have a billboard sized baby <laughs> growing in me ah here's another thing to consider i've we, you and i have both put together play pens bassinets cribs arguably from Ikea or a similar type store. Very, very difficult to put together on solid ground. Now, this whole poem insinuates that you're going to be able to put that together on just a mishmash of branches. There's no balance. There's no... It would be damn near impossible. You would have to be Sam Ikea himself (laughs) in order to be able to put that. I don't understand. I I just, I don't understand. It's a ridiculous poem. Um, Some people say that it's uh, political in nature and that there was uh, an unrest in the 1600s in England and that they were wishing the death of King James Son, His son was born. A lot of of controversy about was it his or not. Some people think they snuck a baby into the delivery room and King James took it as his own. I don't know. That's a whole other story. But that baby came into, for lack of a better phrase, because I'm I'm kind of running here, King James's possession, his parenthood. And they said, I hope that baby dies so we can kill King James and then get a new sense of leadership. The story is dark any way you look at it. I heard what you said, but the only thing I want to ask you is: Was
1: his first name Sam? It was Sam IKEA. <laughs> is, that, I is that true?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's the it's the first thing that I was like. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are Swedes out there named Sam. We well, get
1: some angry emails. Um, actually, it's William. Well, you T. know what? I would be. Let's <laughs> please write us. I, w- I would welcome the emails at this point.
0: Let's just get let's get some interaction going.
1: But um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned those real quick. The the putting that stuff together. A lot of kids might have post-traumatic stress from listening to the lullaby. I have post-traumatic stress because with the twins, we had this huge limousine-like stroller that would, two of them, uh, like a cockpit of a jet fighter, one in front, one in back. And I have post-traumatic stress from so taking that thing. You could fold it up and fold it down when we put it in the car. I have so many fingers, Zach. You have
0: 10. You have 10 fingers.
1: Actually, I have 10 and a half. One, not ten and a half. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense.
0: <laughs> I was born
1: with 11 fingers and one got cut off putting the stroller up. It was so many pinch fingers.
0: <laughs> Uh, I think it's funny too that IKEA is probably <laughs> the number one cause of children coming from a divorced home. Have you ever tried to put something together with Emily from your uh, from IKEA? Oh, it's it's
1: awful. And the instruction manual is not helpful at all. Those guys look so happy putting the thing together, those fat like stick figure things. But no, they're not. They should put a little bottle of Jameson behind them.
0: And when did <laughs> when did those little tiny wooden pegs become the strongest support system in the world?
1: I can't tell you how many I snapped off and then you're just screwed. We're like, well, this crib is going to only have 15 pegs instead of the 20.
0: <laughs> and you know what? They give you so many extra ones. I just started, I, start, I chew them like they're sunflower seeds. I just throw <laughs> them in my mouth and, and suck on them a little bit because I don't want them. I don't want him in my house. Get out of here. Get out of here, pegs. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's the gist of it. That's how I feel about Rockabye Baby. Um, That is, I guess, how I feel about it as a parent more than anything else. I
1: I think we're on the same page here. I agree with everything you're saying. It is a dark, dark song. When we analyze it, like we always do in this podcast, what I'd recommend doing for all the parents out there is go ahead and sing the lullaby, the rockabye baby to your child tonight, but then also put on this podcast right after. So the baby can get a
0: clear understanding of what they just listened to. We're here for the baby, Zach. Um, and if I may make a recommendation, people, if you're listening out there, you got young kids, you're trying to put them to sleep, maybe hum the lullaby. Don't go with the lyric. Hey, the listen
1: to this. I got one. You ready? Yeah, I got to go because I got to have a bow movement.
0: <laughs> when the bow breaks, just wait for another one because you've been constipated for a few days. <laughs> I have been. Um, honestly, you know, we usually close with just a terrible joke, but I, I enjoyed that one. So okay. I do have to go, though have to go poop <laughs> well you go take uh you go take your number two that was a that was a number one quality joke and uh, and we'll catch you next time here on immorally morally speaking we are done